Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Final Siren podcast. Another week and uh, another person in the guest chair uh, this week. It's uh, Ed Pascoe, one of the Draft Central writers. I'm Peter Williams and uh, good to have you on board this week, Ed, uh, replacing Michael from last week. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Pete. Um, it's great to be back on. Uh, come off a pretty competitive week of first finals in the NAB League and uh, looking forward to chatting about it. Yep, we certainly did. And they, uh, for the most part, the games were fairly close. Um, I think for at least three quarters in every game, it was close. And three of the games ended up quite close. Um, so we'll run through them. Obviously, the winners just quickly. Uh, Western Jets uh, remain in contention for the flag after defeating the Knights by eight points. Uh, the Colder Cannons are again. They've eliminated Danny Nong Stingrays, reigning premiers by six goals. That was the the one uh, larger margin, if you like. And then in the qualifying finals, uh, we saw the Eastern Rangers get up by fourteen over Sandringham, and the Oakley Chargers get the job done against Gippsland in a thriller by eight points uh, on Sunday. So we'll uh, go through each of the games, and we'll start with the Northern Knights and Western Jets game. What did you take out of this game? Yeah, it was a very uh, seesawing affair, especially with that uh, heavy wind going at Ballarat through that one end. Uh, the Northern Knights came off to a ripping start, kicking the first six goals. Um, you had uh, Nicholas Cox and Justin Tinasante really uh, proving to be a real handful. Uh, and then in that second quarter, that's when the Western Jets started to use the wind themselves. Emerson Jecker kicked a couple of goals and looked really da- dangerous. And in the end, it was just the Western Jets that really uh, powered on at the end. They were really working hard. Although for the Knights, they had uh, Adam Carafa go down in their engine room. He was not seen in the last quarter. That left a bit too much to their midfielders and Western Jets. They just kind of come over the top of them at the end. Yeah, and I think it was really that third quarter by the Jets that... It's kind of funny because they were outscored, obviously, in the third quarter, uh, four goals to three, but it was just the fact they were kicking into the breeze. Um, No one had kicked a goal into the breeze to that point, and they were able to get three on the board to the Knights' four. So while the Knights did extend um, the margin out to that five points uh, after being level at half time, we sort of had that feeling that the Jets would then run over the top of them just because they had that wind in the the last quarter. Even though it wasn't as much as the uh, the opening half, uh, obviously they were able to kick those last few goals and uh, get over the line by eight points. Uh, but certainly I think, yeah, there, there was quite a few good goal kickers on the day and it really helped, obviously, as you mentioned. Dintin Asante kicked the five goals. He was probably Northern's best. Um, Nick Cox, again, had a couple. Um, you know, you had... Through the midfield, you had, obviously, Sam Philp, who um, stood up, but uh, I think he probably lacked a bit of support, obviously, with Carafa going down. Um, Jackson Davies in defence was really strong. Jack Boyd got around. He ended up with the 21 touches and a goal um, playing through the ruck. Um, you know, And then, obviously, Ryan Sturgis um, was solid um, throughout, where for the Jets, obviously, you're looking at the likes of Archie Manchin, who kicked another four goals. Um, Nash Reynolds, um, Jecker, as you mentioned, kicked a couple. Um, and then the disposal winners, it was really even. They weren't a high disposal team. Um, Deli Andrews had the 17. Lucas Rocky had the 15. Uh, and uh, Will Kennedy, um, Billy Cootie and uh, Lucas Faley had 14 each. So obviously it's not huge numbers there, but um, it was a good team effort overall uh, in considering the conditions, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And um Having some of their bigger ball winners like Josh Honey and Darcy Casser having quiet games as well, and uh, Eddie Ford up forward, um, that really shows that that there's that they can be even better. And if those guys can really click next week, they can really uh, take it up to Gippsland. You'd think. 
Yeah, for sure. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how they line up, obviously, um, going into that game where, obviously, for the Knights, it's the end of the season. They probably would have liked to have won this one. They got through um, the wildcard round and then uh, they stumbled against the Jets, who we probably thought the Knights were in the box seat having beaten them um, just a few weeks earlier. Uh, but, obviously, that's the end of the season for the Knights. So, um, hard to see what you sort of take out for it. I thought these two teams might be some of the improvers this season uh, compared to last season. And they've, they've obviously made the, the top eight uh, and Jets will make the top six. But um, yeah, ultimately, I guess that's the that's where it ends for the Knights. Uh, and moving on to the second game, obviously, uh, it was a little bit better in terms of the wind. It was still windy early, but it died down over time. The Eastern Rangers got up 7-10-52 against Sandringham Dragons 5-8-38. And not that we thought this was impossible, but I think we were all a bit surprised. And full credit to Easton, who I think have proven everyone wrong now, because I think it was generally considered, particularly amongst us, obviously, but uh, uh, looking at the National Combine invites, when you've got a team that has, you know, double-figure Combine invites, or certainly across both um, national and state combines uh compared to obviously Easton who didn't get one in the national combine it would be fair enough to assume that Sandringham would be the the heavy favorites in that game despite finishing fourth compared to Easton's top of the table um but what we saw from Easton was they're going to be a hard team to beat because they're just all in it together they bought in they don't have a genuine superstar they've just got a really great bunch of kids that are that are on the same page, and obviously they've got a quite a bit of young talent that's coming through, not necessarily top age, but top age players that are willing to play their role and, and do their thing for the team. Yeah, absolutely. They've got a great mix as well. Like you see, a lot of those are uh, those mature players, like your like your Stapledons. There's a big body through the midfield, but it's also their young guys as well. Like Tyler Sonzi kicked one of the better goals you'll see for that day with a really classy goal. He's not eligible to the uh, 2021 draft. You had uh, Connor Danny and uh, Clark down back. They, they were really good down back and showed a lot of dash. Um, but for Sandringham, it was a very un-Sandringham type performance, you'd think. like Usually they're a really good team team game and they just move the ball so well. And they were just down a bit. like Down back, they only had uh, Louis Butler really providing that, that spark down back and really hitting targets because... Really, in those conditions, nearly all day, there was a lot of uh, teams struggling to hit targets by Fort, and he seemed the only one down there. And even the midfield, like they've got a lot of good names that go through that midfield, but they just didn't quite click. Uh, Ryan Burns was the obvious uh, standout there. The captain had the 28 disposals and 11 inside 50s. He really worked hard. Um, Turgwin had a little bit more of it, but probably wasn't as um, clean as he usually was. Uh, McGuinness had a pretty low game for East Standards. He's coming off just the 14 disposals, but ended with the 10 tackles. And you could actually see in the last quarter when they were starting to really uh, be in trouble that he really, really knuckled down and tried hard. So the disposals may have been low for him at the end, but he he at least really worked into the game. And, of course, Miles Bergman with the two goals, 13 touches. You look at that, you don't think that's amazing numbers, but his actual influence on the game was probably the main thing. Like every time he got the ball, he was always looking looking to move the play on. He was confident. He was strong overhead. And um, Mackesy, another one down back, he, he 
kind of struggled with his marking. Usually he's a really good mark. It was probably because of the slightly windy conditions. He couldn't quite take those marks he would, but he was everywhere when you actually saw him there. He's putting in spoils and he just seemed to be in the right places. And I could imagine in a bit better conditions next week, if it's not so windy, he could be a real handful down back. Yeah, for sure. And up the uh, up the same end, I guess, uh, I think for the first time we saw a real breakout game from Jamison Rossiter. He booted the four goals and I thought that was the best I've seen him look live. He was, um, you know, he booted the four goals, had the 10 touches, four marks, and he just looked really damaging whenever he got it. And it wasn't just set shots. It was uh, also general play goals. He he moved well. He was able to create a target. And he sort of rotated between that forward and mid area this year where he stayed predominantly forward, obviously, in this game and was able to hit the scoreboard, which is really important. So I think he could be certainly a, a bit of an X factor going into finals if he can continue that. Um, and then obviously, as you mentioned, the midfield, look, Mitch Mellis, Zach Pretty, Lockie Stableton, Connor Downey, you can chuck in there, even like your Will Parkers. Um, they're, they're all sort of contribute in a way. Like you're not looking at your, you know, like you'd say for Oakley with Matt Rowe, Noah Anderson, top couple, like elite talents, but they're all genuinely putting their hand up this year, next year saying, look, we've got the ability to play, um, they can't do much more to try and really put their hand up to be drafted. Um, and hopefully some of those names will. Obviously, Downey's a bottom major as well and already played Metro. So he's um, got a few runs on the board, which is great. Um, Billy McCormick uh, shows a few signs. Like he's he did end up with a state combine invite. So he's he's got a few nice things about him. And I think that uh, in terms of a draft that lacks tools, he's someone who's showing a few things late in the year. Um, and, you know, they, they, they had the consistency out of... Um, James Ross, Joel Nathan, they didn't have many touches. They only had the 15 touches, but they're just so consistent. They do a lot of things off the, the stats sheet, I guess you'd say. But it's sort of hard now to work it out. I think this has sort of thrown a bit of a spanner in the works in terms of the final series because um, obviously I think we thought on form potentially it could be a Sandy Oakley grand final or, or Sandy uh, Gippsland. Um, but right now it's sort of... Now it's up in the air because obviously Sandy, if they progress through the next round, will play Oakley. So it, it can't be a Sandy-Oakley grand final. Um, and where you exactly put Easton because um, Easton, I think, uh, are a great team, as we mentioned, um, but they actually stood up and beat a full-strength Sandringham, which means, to be honest, they can beat anyone on their day. And that's I think that's what this game showed us. Yep, absolutely. And also goes to show um, it's good to be starting the year well, but that also means you're you're the hunted. And that was the case for Sandringham. And they did look like they were hunted that day. Yeah, for sure. And if we move on to the Sunday games, we had the Calder Cannons get up in the opening game, 11-9-75 to Danny Nong Stingrays, 5-9-39. And quite Honestly, it was just a last quarter burst from the Cannons, piled on six goals, two to one behind to run away with this contest, which was a bit surprising because I think that Danny Nong seemed to have the upper hand earlier in the game and it sort of got the feeling like they were in front, in control, not by much. Um, even when the Cannons were in front, it sort of felt like it was a pretty even game or that the Stingrays had a bit more about them. But in the last quarter, Cannons just came out and blitzed them. And for me, it was quite surprising because I thought these teams were very evenly matched, but I thought that the class of Danny Nong was just that little bit more. Um, But of course, they didn't stand up. Obviously, Cody Waitman out with concussion isn't um, an ideal start for the Stingrays. 
Um, but also the likes of Hayden Young, you know, he's still very solid. He's always going to be pretty solid, but he isn't, it wasn't his elite standard or the standards we're used to. Um, and then obviously you had, um, Ned Cahill who didn't have his best game. Um, he still had the 15 touches, so he still racked it up. He did a couple of nice things, but it wasn't, um, up to his standards. Similar again, the expectation we've come to see for them. Um, and instead it was left up, you know, to, to Luca Goonan, Lachlan Williams, Will Lewis, uh, Jack Toner, uh, Liam Scott, Will Bravo. They all had reasonably good numbers, but in, in fairness to some of them, I mean, Will, Will Lewis is all right, um, and, and Lachlan Williams uh, is damaging up forward, but he played down back today, as he has throughout the season. Um, I think not being able to get into the, the hands of Hayden Young as often as you'd like um, obviously really hurt them because I think it was going forward and getting hitting targets inside 50. It really broke down for Danny Nong. Yeah, that, that was the big difference, I thought, the entries inside 50. And you talk about good entries inside 50. Daniel Mott was absolutely up, up to the task for Calder, the uh, captain there. He had the uh, 34 disposals and two goals. He, he, him and uh, Sam Ramsey through the midfield, he was another. He had 35 touches and a goal. Those two just absolutely dominated in that midfield, and I thought they were a really, a really big, uh, big, big team in there. And... Um, and, and their forwards as well. I think they worked pretty well. Like Mason Fletcher, he kicked the five behind, so it could have been even um, even even better there. But um, O'Sullivan was one that uh, was a good lead-up forward for Calder. He had the 20 possessions and eight marks. Um, Harrison Jones, he, he didn't hit the scoreboard, but he did assist well in the uh, hitouts. And um, he even had eight tackles as well. So he, he showed he wasn't just a, just a flashy forward there. He was willing to do the hard things. And uh, Cody Brand, he's a um, bottom major for next year in the Essendon NGA. He had the hard task on playing on Sam DeConning and Captain Golas. Yeah, so there's plenty plenty to like about Calder there, and obviously that means they advance through the semis. Um, obviously both Calder and Western have some pretty tough opponents um, coming into these games, but um, they're through, so they've got to where they uh, would have hoped they'd get through to at least, because obviously finishing in that bottom four of the top eight, uh, you want to at least win a final. So they've done that. Well done to Calder. And in the final game, we had, the, in my opinion, the best game of the weekend. And I think that was both skill-wise and in terms of closeness. I know the uh, there were the other two uh, on the Saturday, particularly the Knights Western, was pretty close throughout. But just in terms of skill um, and willingness to just go for it, it kept you intrigued for four quarters, I think. I think it was a real... Um, arm wrestle throughout. Um, and, you know, in the end, it was Oakley that got up 12-11-83 to Gippsland 12-3-75. And it was like Oakley got out to a four-goal lead. Gippsland then kicked about nine of the next 10 goals, got out to about a four-goal lead themselves. Oakley reeled them in, and then it was a bit to and fro. And in the end, it was just Oakley with that bit of class. Trent Bianco's goal in the rain um, put him in front. And then obviously um, they kicked one in the dying minutes just to seal it. Um, but it was just a terrific game to watch. And and considering the last quarter was bucketing down rain, it was, um, you know, they, they were still able to hold it up and, and put on a really good show. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was just really hotly contested. Like You could see that both teams were really going in hard. There was a lot of uh, good hard hits and hard tackles. There was 50 metres here and there because of uh, some undisciplined play. Um, and with, with those twists and turns throughout the game, uh, you talk about momentum swings, and um, Sam Flanders was the man in the second quarter, kicking four goals in that quarter. 
He ended the game with 27 possessions, seven tackles. He was a force for the midfield. Uh, Caleb Serong was another one in the midfield. He's an absolute star. There's not much of him height-wise, but he's solid. He can take an overhead mark, and you could just see his influence through that midfield. Uh, Connolly was another down back, and he even uh, was able to kick a goal on the run. He, he was really good. Uh, and the, the midfield, they had a few help out with Baldy, who uh, kicked a goal. And uh, Sam Berry, he was hard at it. He was mostly on Matty Rowell trying to stop his influence. He had the eight tackles. And uh, Zach Reed was another who got to go in the ruck against Nick Bryan. He really tried his heart out. He had the um, 10 possessions and 12 hitouts. He's one that will be playing in the under-17 Futures game before the grand, this year's AFL Grand Final. And for, um, and for Oakley, I mean, the Guns had a lot of the ball, like Anderson and Rowell. They each had 29 possessions. Although uh, Anderson didn't hit the scoreboard. It was probably the only game he's had this year where he hasn't been able to hit the scoreboard. I think Gippsland did a really good job of curbing his influence. Um, Will Phillips, he's another one for the under-17s futures game that'll be a bit later this year. He had the 29 disposals and a goal. He looked really good on a wing. His goal was very classy. And Bianco, again, off half-back, he's just all class. Left and right foot, you wouldn't, you couldn't tell the difference. And... Uh, uh, Hugo Hagen up forward, he, he was ab- absolutely the dominant big man on the ground with kicking three goals three. He had the 13 touches. He even kicked a few out in the full, so he could have had a really big day. Mm. And he's another one for next year who looks a real good talent. Yeah, for sure. There's quite a few that are coming through, and finals is the best place or best time to do it. Um, so to sum up the uh, the weekend, obviously Western Jets, Eastern Rangers, Calder Cannons, and Oakley Chargers all won. For the Oakley Chargers and Eastern Rangers, they get a break this week after having a break last week, so they're having quite a few breaks. Um, and moving through, uh, obviously Western Jets that won on that first day, uh, they go through to play Gippsland Power. Um, that'll be at the one we We'll discuss that game later on Saturday. Uh, and the other Saturday game in the morning at 11 a.m., uh, both games at Icon Park, will be Sandringham Dragons, who obviously went down to Eastern, facing off against Calder Cannons, who knocked off Dandenong Stingrays. So right now we'll go to a break, and we'll be coming back uh, with a bit of a discussion about some of the power rankings and draft combine profiles. You're listening to Final Siren Podcast. You're listening to the Final Siren Podcast, thanks to AFL Draft Central. Uh, now we're going to run into a bit of discussion. The power rankings came out last night. Obviously, my uh, power rankings I do each month, and there's not many left. So uh, it's always quite exciting and quite stressful in a way because you're not quite sure. You're never quite happy. I think in past years, I've been a bit happier. Uh, this year, I've just it's really difficult, and I think if uh, people saw how much work sort of goes into it and thinking and changing, and it's really indecisive. Outside the top two, who obviously have remained the top two the whole year, and Matt Rowe and Noah Anderson, um, I think it's really up for grabs after that, and and certainly we saw that. Um, just as a whole, there was only one change to the power rankings with um, teammates swapping, with Miles Bergman coming into the 30 and um, Jack Marnie going out, um, both Sandy Dragons players. Uh, but looking at the top, we had obviously Rowan Anderson, and then the big change was Caleb Sarong, who came in, who moved up to three, um, and it just sort of nudged down the others in Hayden Young, Lockie Ash, and Sam Flanders. Um, obviously, we both saw um, Sarong on the weekend, Ed, um, and he, he's a player that 
he doesn't have too many deficiencies in his game. He's just really consistent. And uh, he's probably one of the players there that you could bank on going up to AFL level and being a real force. Like He's already a really good, good solid size. He can play as a small forward if needed at the next level. And just his work for the midfield. He's just a natural footballer. Like If you were just to look at someone who's just a natural player that just does all the right things, makes the right choices, very clean, he's exactly that type of player you're looking for. Um, there's quite a few comparisons you can make, maybe like a Toby Green type player, just that type of player that is impactful. Like you, you wouldn't go through a game and not notice Caleb Sarong. Yeah, for sure. He had a terrific game on the weekend. Obviously, it meant because he moved up, unfortunately, Sam Flanders, along with the other two, obviously dropped down despite having one of probably his best game of the year. Um, but that's, that's the power rankings for you. That's how difficult it can be. And, um, Another one who, who really just moved up a spot, Dylan Stevens. He's playing really well over in the, the Sample over there. Um, you know, he's playing for the league side, Norwood, in the final series. So he's playing against senior bodies, which is great to see. And we've seen in the past players really step up um, playing in the league side and having an impact, potentially getting a draft. We know last year, I know it's down the other end of the draft, but Boyd Woodcock got a chance. He played really well, one of the best on in the grand final in a premiership year for North Adelaide. And and that really put him into the spotlight further. Um, and it's, it's performances like that that really, I guess, catapult players up. We even know... Um, Jack Lacosius, when he made his debut back in, played in a prelim final, you know, he booted multiple goals against senior bodies. So that was where his name really jumped onto the radar even further. Um, and it's moments like that. And I think Stevens is a player who continues to perform really strongly. Um, and he's certainly looming as you, you would say South Australia's first big player. Yeah, absolutely. It's good to see that those type of players, especially in Stevens' case, he's not the biggest body, but to see, the influence that he has already at that level is really promising and is why a lot consider him a top 10 prospect. I mean, his running capacity is fantastic. And as he's been able to show, he can be a midfielder that can also hit the scoreboard. So you know that those are an absolute premium. Uh, Will Gould is probably the other one who's been really doing well at Sample level, but he is that bigger body. So you kind of more expect him to be having those better games. Yeah, for sure. And um, elsewhere, you're sort of moving up. There's a few West Australians on the move. Luke Jackson, um, look, he's clearly the dominant ruck. Um, he's been the top ruck in, in the power rankings the whole year, but um, obviously he just keeps performing over in the waffle, um, obviously just playing Colts, but still doing everything he can. He's he's able to win win a lot of touches and lay tackles as well, so he's not just getting the hit-outs. Uh, and then you look at some of the other movers. Trent Rivers, um, just consistent as ever. Hasn't had below 25 touches all year. Had 30 um, on the weekend or most recent game the week before. Um, so he's consistent. Um, Liam Henry continues to, you know, even though he'd sort of had injured in round 14, he's one that you've got to watch out for and been a WA prospect. It's uh, been a Fremantle NGA prospect. Um, he'll potentially be, outside of Tom Green, obviously, be potentially the next one uh, bitted on with Finn McGuinness in that region. Um, and then you go down another father-son, uh, Jackson Mead from South Australia as well. Um is potentially in that uh, in that line after Green to be uh, have a earlier bid uh, top thirty potentially, um, but you look at WA and there's quite a few there that I think are quite underrated and um, are, are moving on up, particularly Jackson who's put in a really good season. 
yeah, it's pretty frustrating for us down in uh, Melbourne to not be able to see some of these Colts games and how they actually perform. Like you see little highlights here and there on like YouTube or something, but it, it the only chance we usually get is through watching them at the championships and those plays still did really well in those championships. I remember nearly all of them having pretty good games at, uh, at Marvel Stadium. Yeah, for sure. And obviously, uh, I mentioned off the top, the one change I made was uh, Miles Bergman coming in. I have sort of, I do like going a bit early on players or putting them up a bit before others do. Um, but I think, look, Bergman is a type who, with a good final series, I think he can work his way into first round calculations. There's mainly because I feel like forwards at this year, like particularly those medium forwards, there's not many that are that have had great years. I, I feel like, obviously, Dylan Williams has been injured, in fairness. Um, Cam Tahini had uh, the odd really good game, but, again, has been inconsistent. There's no real genuine, like, Waitman we mentioned, of course, is another one who's had some amazing moments, but, again, consistency. Um, Cahill, the same. Uh, I, I feel like Bergman is a player who they might view as someone who who can play more midfield minutes than some of those um, and, and have more of an impact. And he doesn't need a lot of touches to, to hurt opponents, as we've seen. He might only have the 13 or 15 touches, but he's usually taken about seven or eight marks and kicked a couple of goals. Yeah, he's got a lot of natural talent. And from what we definitely saw on the weekend, he has he has a football IQ as well. So he's not just a talented footballer who can take a mark. He's He makes the right decisions. And even though he is playing as a forward and a good deep forward because of his good leap and nice size, but he can play through the wings. He could even be used as half-back with his run. And, and so he's he's probably closer to that Connor Rosie type, that type of player you could plug in anywhere. He's got the good talent. He just uh, looks a very exciting prospect. And he's the type of player that he could go higher, he could go lower. Like, but at the right in the right environment, he could be an absolute star. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, it's really hard with, uh, I, I guess, with power ranking because there's so many players that are... Um, thereabouts in the rankings and just outside the 30 there's probably about another 20 who could fill in um those last five six spots or potentially even from 15 so it is hard to really weigh that up but we'll move into our draft combine profiles because these are all the players that have received national combine invites um last week we did uh tasmania uh geelong and bendigo uh from the victorians and this week we're doing the the rebels gwv murray bush rangers and dandenong stingrays now obviously dandenong stingrays have the five so we'll start with uh the rebels and jay rantow is a player who i i think would be given some consideration to be top 30 i feel like he's a player that's for me just outside but he i, I would not be shocked if come draft night he is a player that is selected inside the top 30 because of his athletic traits. Yeah, absolutely. And he's, he's someone who looks to be improving as well. Like he's kicking at the start of the year. It was a bit, it wasn't the best, but there's been times where he's been able to hit the scoreboard. So, he, 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 and there has been a few good low kicks that he's actually done. So it may just come with a bit more game time, a bit more feel for it, but he absolutely has that running capacity. He runs all day. He, he'll tackle in the midfield. He's, hands from the stoppage are just real classy. He brings other teammates into the game. So you could really see him excelling at at, uh, at AFL level, I feel. And he's one of those players too that we, we see players that don't test that well um, and uh, seem to use it in games um, where the opposite... I know last year we spoke about Tom McKenzie is one who had you know, a sub three second 20 meter sprint, but you wouldn't think it watching him on game day. 
Rantel, we've seen burst out of stoppages at times. I know there was a game earlier in the year um, up at QEO where the last uh, stoppage of the game, he just burst out, just burnt everyone off and kicked it, you know, lace out to a forward leading out. Um, he technically didn't test that well. He got 3.12 on the 20 metre, um, which for me obviously is, is quite low, but you wouldn't think it um, necessarily looking at that. Um, but the area that he is really strong in is his endurance and he might be the number one, like he'd be in contention along with a, a couple others to take out the, the sort of 2k or the, the, um, yo-yo test at the draft combine because he got 22.1 in the preseason, which we're talking Sam Walsh, Bailey Smith areas here. This is, that's really elite of elite. And, um, I think that really helps him in games because he's able to, obviously outrun many of his opponents. Yeah, you'll definitely see a bit later in games as well. That's when he really starts to uh, pull away from the opposition and starts to really get a lot, of, a lot of the ball. And obviously during the NAB League season, he averaged the 24.9 disposals, 2.4 marks, 6.5 tackles, um, and, you know, about almost, yeah, six clearances per game. So he, he's a prolific clearance player, Um uh, but he can also do some damage on the outside. But it is just refining that kicking a little bit uh, is his next step. Um, but moving on from someone who needs to refine their kicking to someone who definitely does not need to refine his kicking in any way, shape or form. Um, and a personal favourite of mine, it's got to be said. Um, Lockie Ash from the Murray Bush Rangers. I mean, yeah, to be honest, we, I, I think he's been a prospect well and truly well since last year where he came on the scene. And he's just got better and better and he's one of those players you just want to get the ball in the hands of one because he hits targets um and two because he makes the right decisions yeah uh, he's the type of player that i can say at afl level that the opposition will put time into because his run and dash and kicking is just far too dangerous to just let him do it all day um and it's probably he's probably played his best footy down back and that's probably where he have his most effect but he can go forward and kick a couple of goals. Uh, he went through the midfield at times in his last game this year, and I thought he really showed some good intent and actually really showing his contested side, which I think will give him a long way into showing that he's the top-line AFL player because uh, there's been a few times this year he's been a bit fiery, and that's what I like to see from him a lot because it's good to see that, that flash, but also that go in and do the hard yards. Yeah, for sure. And uh, in the in the season, he averaged the 23 touches, five marks, four and a half tackles, uh, and uh, the three rebounds per game, which is great because laying almost five tackles is not usually a um, a feature of players who are generally more outside. Obviously, he, he wins a lot of his ball um, through intercept possessions more than anything else. Um, not as many uh, handball receives as some halfbacks can be. Um, but certainly, uh, like he, he runs a sub three second, uh, 20 meter sprint. So he's got the pace, uh, he's got fairly good endurance as well. So, um, he's a player who I think could play early on in his career, going to the right club and certainly do a lot of damage. He'll be one that I think will, will catch the eye, um, early on as will the next player on our list, which is Hayden Young. Um, similar type of player. I think he's, he's a bit more contested like he can go in and 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 be more contested but similar to ash he is also one who has um does more damage i think at half back um and certainly he's um you know he's a great intercept player he sets him up and when he's got time and space he'll just he'll just slaughter you with his um with his kick because he can just 
um, burn through any opposition zone and, and really um, hit up targets from long range. Yeah, you like seeing Young when he's full of confidence because when he's coming off that half-back line, he's running through, he's getting the one-two, and he's just hitting up targets like you wouldn't believe. Like If I was any, if I was at a club and I saw Hayden Young had the ball in his hands, I'd be going, oh, oh that, this is going to be a very good hit. It's going to go straight into my hands. So, uh, yeah, he's one that has been tried in the midfield at times. He's had a few good games and a few not-so-good games as a midfielder. I definitely do prefer him as that um, rebound defender who can also take a mark. He's got that good size. Um, he can also drift forward and kick goals at times. So that, that's another thing he has to his bow. Um, I think the main thing that's stopping him from being like an absolute top five pick has probably been his consistency. I think this year he's had some big games, but he's also had a few like not, not bad games, but just not, not of the influence mm. that you'd expect from him. Yeah, and he, his strength is uh, in his agility as well. He's about an eight-second agility test, so he's quite... Um, nimble in that way, not as quick from the 20 meter, but um, doesn't really hamper him. He's able to, you know, take a lot of marks and intercept and go forward and um, and really uh, provide more drive inside 50 as well because he's averaged the 22 and a half touches, 3.6 marks, 3.6 tackles, about four rebounds and and three inside 50s per game. So. He certainly gets a lot of it, and he's almost at about 50% contested too, which is very, very good for a, for a halfback. Obviously, as you mentioned, he went into the midfield, but um, that's quite good uh, numbers there. And uh, his teammate, who it'll be interesting to see where he goes. The next couple are pretty similar types. We'll start with Ned Cahill. Um, obviously, uh, didn't have his best game on the weekend, as we mentioned uh, off the top, but this year he's been a player that... When he's on, he's certainly very damaging. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he's probably one of the best crummers in this year's draft. Like, whenever the ball's inside 50 and it's a pack, you can almost guarantee that Cahill's right there, ready to swoop. You see so many players um, through the NAV League that you can just tell that they just don't have that nous that he does. Like, if, if he hits the ground, he's picking it up. Like, there's no fumbling. He's just got it. He's quick to think. He can kick left and right foot. So there's a lot of ways he can kick his goals. He has been played through the midfield a bit. He's probably not as damaging, but he has shown his his endurance. He likes to he, he likes to run up and down the grounds. He's like you'll see him get get a hand pass on the half back, and then he'll absolutely be working his ass off to get inside fifty and and probably even kick a goal himself. So he's definitely one that I think has AFL traits. He is on the smaller side, but I think. I think you look at someone like a Grind Myers from Geelong. He wasn't the absolute quickest small forward, but he just had that endurance. He had that just nous around goals that really uh, that really catches the eye. Yeah, certainly. And uh, he averaged the one and a half goals. So he booted 17 goals from the 11 games in the uh, regular season and wildcards. So he's uh, certainly one that hits the scoreboard. Um, and moving on to his teammate, uh, Cody Waitman, another small forward who... Hasn't played a lot in NAB League due to school football commitments, but he's another one who's a bit different. He's more of your stronger power burst rather than nimble player, I'd say, even though he, he's a fairly decent mover. He he uses it similar to like a Sam Flanders, I guess. He's got that stronger body compared to Cahill and um, someone who is also quite damaging around goals. Yeah, uh, and he loves to go for a mark too. Like You see him flying for his marks. He's always willing to tackle and put pressure on. Whenever he's around it in forward 50, he's just there. He's energetic. He's right in your face. 
So he's the type of player I could see at AFL level just being an absolute nuisance. Just He's there. He's always there. He's always jumping around. So he's certainly a, a really high-end talent. There's a lot of... Uh, a lot of good things to say about Waitman. Yeah, and even though he is just the the those seventy three kilos, you wouldn't think he is the way that he's able to just burst away and sort of have that bit of power and and strength behind him. Um, and certainly as he builds more muscle and builds a bigger body, he'll certainly be even more damaging with that. Um, just played the six games, averaged the fifteen point three um, disposals uh, and the one point three goals, kicked uh, eight goals in his six games. Also spent time in the midfield, so. He's another one, uh, and uh, another player who got draft combine national invite was uh, Sam DeConning, who's a bit different to the rest, obviously, key position player, not too many of them um, in this year's draft at the top end, and he's a player who uh, probably has divided a bit of opinions, obviously his brother Tom plays with Carlton, so the family knows the process to go through in the top age year. Um, He's probably, he feels a bit more ready-made than Tom, potentially. Um, I know that he's uh, more of a, a defender than a forward, where Tom played a fair bit forward, most of his stuff forward. Um, so I feel like his championships uh, performances this year was a, a way for him to sort of break out and show what he's got. Um, at NAB League, he's had some good games and some quieter games, um, but certainly at the championships, he was one of the standout prospects. Yeah, you, you kind of expect the uh, up and down results for for a key position players, two hundred centimeters. Um, but at the championships, he just looked outstanding, just with his uh, ability to in, in, get a spoil, take an intercept mark. He's uh, he's uh, kicking at times can be a bit of a worry, but I'd say he's got one of the cleaner hands of all the all the key position players in this year's draft. Like he'll very rarely fumble. He when he gets off a handball, it's usually a very good handball as well. So. Even though he's a bit more ready-made than Tom, perhaps I still think he won't find he's like a uh, he won't be a consistent AFL player until he puts a bit more meat on the bones and he has a bit more confidence in his body. He's missed a few games this year in the NAB League um, through I don't know some niggles here and there. So he's one that hasn't had a the perfect run of it this year, but I think he's the type that if any clubs after a key position player that could probably play back or forward that they can develop and put on the list. He certainly looks like one of the uh, better options. Yeah, and he's one of the rare players that actually has um, better statistics at the uh, under-18 championships than in the NAB League, averaging the 12.3, uh, 12.5 disposals uh, and 4.8 marks. Uh, so he's someone who um, really stood up and obviously got all Australian on us as well, which was pretty pretty good for him um, and, and really decorated uh, his really strong carnival. So... Um, and the last final Danny Nong Stingrays player before we go to our last break is Lachlan Williams, who um, he's a bit, he, his best is very, very good, um, but he can have some really, really quiet games. So um, for me, I can see see the attraction to get the, the National Combine invite because when he's within range of 50 metres uh, in the forward half, he can just launch a goal from anywhere and, and with consistency as well. And his set shot routine is very, very good. Um, and I think it's just ironing out sort of consistency throughout games because he can have some really massive quarters and then be quiet throughout. Um, but he has had that versatility as well. He's played down back, obviously, sometime in the midfield, mostly on a wing. Um, so he can sort of got that versatility, but it's just consistency for mine, trying to build that and, and get better in that regard. Yeah, I think Williams is probably one of those players that um, maybe would have 
would have done a bit better if he was in one position all year. He got got used to a certain position, whereas he's finally been used everywhere. He's been back, he's been midfield, he's been forward. I'd argue he's probably the better forward. I think his attributes lend him better as a forward. Um, his kicking at times can be good, but other times not as good. Uh, as same with his decision-making at times not being as good up the ground, whereas when he's forward, he kind of just relies on instinct. And that's when I think he really shows his wear. So if I'm an AFL club and I'm looking at uh, Williams, I'm looking at him as a small forward, someone who can... Um, just kick those couple of goals, um, and he has that dash as well. He's a pretty good runner. Yeah, for sure. So that wraps up our draft combine profiles and power rankings discussion. Uh, we're going to take a short break on the Final Siren podcast, and we'll be back with the semifinals previews to wrap up the show. Welcome back to the Final Siren Podcast. Thanks to AFL Draft Central. Uh, now we're going to run through the semifinals preview. We've got two big games on the weekend. Uh, both are at Icon Park. Uh, we're going to start with the 11 o'clock game between the Sandringham Dragons and the Calder Cannons. Uh, Ed, what are you uh, expecting to see out of this game? Well, the main thing I will be hoping for is for Calder to bring what they brought in the last quarter against Danny Nong all game against Sandringham because I think that's what they'll need to be able to get the chocolates. Um, their midfield, I think, can can match Sandringham, especially off last week. But if those Sandringham midfielders really bring in their A game, it will be very tough. I mean, Daniel Mott's been a very consistent player for the midfield. Sam Ramsey's averaged 31 disposals in the last seven games. So if they can get those guys up and running, that'll go a long way into them giving Sandringham a good shot. Whereas Sandringham, they had a lot of their better players down last week. Uh, Mackesy, I don't think will be dropping as many marks as he usually would. So I think, uh, someone like a Harrison Jones from Calder would be a good option to go to him and make him accountable. Cause I think Harrison Jones has shown that he is willing to do the team things, not just, uh, try and do all the flashy things to get himself drafted. He, he looks like he has a good head on his shoulders and I think would be the perfect matchup for him. And if I was to go for a win, I think it's, I think it's hard to go past Sandringham, even though they lost against Easton. Uh, I don't expect them to have two bad games in a row. Yeah. Uh, so the last time these guys clashed was in round one. And uh, sorry, Calder fans, you probably don't want me to bring this one up again. Um, but Sandringham won by 109 points on that day. Um, I definitely think it'll be closer. I think that goes without saying. I, I, I think it'd be a bit of a problem if it's more than that. Um, but in saying that, I look, I, I think Sandringham are just... Yeah, as you mentioned, a bit too good to have two down days. Um, if Calder can bring the pressure that they brought last game, then it's definitely going to give Sandringham something to think about. But they'll also be ready because of that's what Easton brought. So they'll have to be up and about and ready. I think they've got a few more scoring options. Their midfield's a bit um, deeper. Uh, and yeah, I think that the Cannons would have to be at 100%. I said this last week. About Easton, they'd have to be at 100%, and, and the others would have to be down a bit, which they were, um, but full credit to Easton on that game. Um, and, yeah, for the Cannons, I think they've got to be at 100%, and Sandringham have to be down a bit in order for this to be an upset. Um, so in saying that, I will be going Sandringham um, reasonably comfortably, I'd think. Um, but, again, it's finals footy, and we've seen there's already been a few surprises. So I'm um, looking forward to seeing what uh, is in store for us in that match. And in the other game, straight after, is the Gippsland Power against the Western Jets. Uh, that's at 1.30, obviously, in the doubleheader at Icon Park. Um, 
it's going to be interesting this game, I think. Uh, obviously, um, Gippsland go in as very, very strong favourites. Uh, but what, what, what would you hope to see uh, occur from this game? So, yeah, the Western Jets, just like Calder, they need their guns to really step up. So, Josh Honey had a quiet game, as did uh, Darcy Casser down back. I'd like to see Darcy Casser, if he's having a quiet half, to actually be moved up the ground a bit. Because he, he has shown, especially early on in the championships, that he can be a good forward. So, uh, and even for the midfield, like, whenever Casser has the ball in his hands, usually the Western Jets play better footy. So, if they can get the ball into his hands more, if they can really release Josh Honey to kick some goals, because he's dangerous there. Um, and Emerson Jecker, he's a real good tall target. We uh, we don't know what Gippsland will go with if they will have the really taller uh, defenders to go with him. So they they were kind of uh, struggled with Hugo uh, Hagen with Oakley. So if uh, Jecker comes, if he's getting good service, he'll be hard to stop on the lead. Uh, but Gippsland, I just look at their midfield and it's just so strong. There um and if they can manage to get Combin back, who's another really good player. Brock Smith down back, who's the marshal down there. Uh, I just can't see how Western Jets can beat Gippsland, especially after how they played, because they were unlucky to lose Oakley. Yeah, for sure. And I believe, uh, based on what we'd uh, discussed last week uh, or over the weekend uh, with Gippsland, uh, Combin should be back for this game. Smith's a wait and see, um, but certainly Combin will be back. So that'll give him some extra height. Similar to you, uh, I think Gippsland will just be too strong. Uh, in their round 10 encounter, Western won by 18 points. Uh, context of the game, obviously, it's during champs, so Gippsland were far from full strength. Um, Western would obviously be missing players as well uh, during that time, but certainly um, there's not too much you can read into mid-season form, uh, but at least they've got that winning form against them. Uh, but for this match, yeah, I think based on the form of Sarong and Flanders, if they keep that up along with some of their other players, you know, Baldy had a bit of a, a down game compared to the rest of his season. But, you know, I think he's due for another big one. Um, you could go through the list. A lot of their bottom ages as well. We've seen Sam Berry. He's been really, really good. Um, Fraser Phillips, when they're up and about, he can really do some damage on the scoreboard. Um, Gippsland don't just rely on one or two players to, to get their goals. Um, so it's really important. Um, it's it, They're very, very hard to stop inside 50, and I think that'll be a problem for the Jets. Um, the Jets, it's kind of like last game uh, with the Cannons and the Stinger, uh, with the Cannons and the Dragons. I think that the Jets would have to be at 100%, and the Gippsland would have to be a fair bit off uh, for this to be an upset. Uh, full credit to the Jets to getting through here, um, because I think that they've defied some odds at, at points, because obviously they only had a handful of um, draft combine invites themselves, but a lot of their um, uh, non-combine invite players have stepped up. Obviously, Archie Manton, leading goal kicker, Lucas Rocky in defence. Um, we'll have another big job, no doubt, this weekend. Um, so uh, full credit to them, but I, I agree. I do think that um, Gippsland will win that one. Um, and obviously, the winner of this game uh, will go on to play Eastern Rangers, while the winner of the Sandringham Dragons and Calder game will go on to play Oakley Chargers. Uh, and then, yeah, their preliminary finals and the winners of those games go on to the grand final the week after. So uh, not long left in the season. We've got six teams remaining. Uh, if you had to call it, who would you say is flag winner? I would have to go with Oakley. I think if they if they really bring it, especially with their midfield, uh, I don't expect Anderson to be kept goalless many games. So my tip would be Oakley. But as we've seen, if Easton bring their game, if Gippsland bring their game, it's all up in the air. 
Yeah, for sure. And uh, I think it'll be quite interesting. I think Oakley, I've, I've sort of stuck with them all year. So I think Oakley um, are still my tip at this stage. Um, but it should be a uh, good end to a final series. Uh, speaking of ends, that's the uh, end of the final Siren podcast for today. Uh, thanks very much for joining me, Ed. Yeah, no worries. Good to be on and looking forward to another uh, big weekend of footy. Yep, it certainly should be. Make sure you get down to Icon Park on Saturday, uh, 11 a.m. and 1.30 p.m. of the games. Uh, we'll be down there covering that. So hopefully the weather uh, holds up and isn't too bad. Uh, but otherwise, we'll see you down there and uh, have a good weekend. Make sure you uh, follow us on our socials at Draft Central Oz, AUS, on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And, of course, visit the website, afl.draftcentral.com.au, for all your content needs. And... Uh, Looking forward to a great weekend of finals. Thanks very much for joining us.